1: This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings and now with their pink bonus series there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership.
0: That's right Grace, with the bonus prize money up for grabs the pink bonus series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing making Inglis a fabulous partner to Ladies Who Punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media.
2: Field is ready. They're racing in the
0: oaks. Welcome to Ladies Who Punt, the podcast that decodes the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. I'm Fiona Blair and I'm joined by my co-host Grace Ramage. Grace, a massive weekend for you and your partner Ben Hayes with little bros winning the Blue Diamond. How have you pulled up after your Blue Diamond celebrations?
1: Well, it's safe to say, Fee, that everybody um, involved with Team Lindsay Park, whether it's all of our dedicated staff and the people that, you know, work tirelessly Um, each and every day or you know all the people that own horses with us and just you know follow along to what Ben and JD as training partners have been able to achieve in their short training career so far we were all over the moon but having said that probably only certain heads were sorer than others and I can confirm that I was among those unlucky ones with a very sore head on Sunday morning, but the celebrations were fun. Um, it's not often that you, you know, win a blue diamond, let alone with two trainers that are, you know, 32 years and younger and just sort of just making a name for themselves in their own right after sort of following on from two generations from Hall of Fame champion trainers. So, pretty special time fee, very exciting stuff. And yeah, I've pulled up well. Now, looking ahead to this weekend and what we've got in particular is a huge Sunday, Monday and Tuesday because it is the Inglis Melbourne Premier Yealing Sale. We cannot wait to get out there.
0: Yeah, that's right, Grace. And as we are smack bang in the middle of sales season, we thought that now is the perfect time for us to do a bit of a sales series and to have a few feature episodes focusing specifically on the sales and what it's all about. So this week we have a special guest, Gemma Cutting. She is the marketing executive at Inglis and she's going to help us get an overview of the sales season and the role that the sales play in the racing industry.
1: Because, Fee, we've obviously in the past 12 months on Ladies Who Punt done so much decoding when it comes to the racing game and what it is to be following the racing side of things and to be, you know, understanding form analysis and what do trainers do and what do jockeys do and all that sort of stuff. But now we really do want to start to focus in on the breeding industry and what happens in the bloodstock game. So that is why it is the perfect time right now in the lead up to the Melbourne Inglis Premier Sale to decode the topic of sales season.
0: Yeah, I think in the next few episodes, what we want to show is what is going on with these racehorses we see on a Saturday, like what happened before they entered a training stable? What was their story? What did their life look like? And around the yearling sales, that's where a lot of the action is, whether it's the preparation of a sale or you know, the horses being at the sales and getting sold, like that's a big part of their history that we don't often hear about once they are up and running on the track.
1: And it's not just fair that we don't hear about it all that often, but, you know, even when we do hear about it, it's still so foreign because... Even people within the racing industry that are so invested in racing itself fail to understand what actually happens in the bloodstock industry and in the breeding game, which I feel like this episode and what we're going to do over the next few episodes, decoding um, you know, this sales season topic is going to not only benefit just newbies, you know, it's going to actually answer a lot of questions for anyone, even
0: in racing, that want to understand more as well. Yeah, definitely. But before we get to that interview with Jimmer. We should point out that for those in Melbourne this weekend, the English Premier sale kicks off on Sunday out at their Oakland sales complex. Mm We are hosting our first meetup event for 2023 with a small group of listeners joining us for bricky on Sunday morning, which is going to be a lot of fun. But for anyone who is listening in and is interested in attending a Yelling Sale, come down on Sunday. We will both be there for most of the day. I'll be in my pink Ladies Who Punt hat, so I'll be sticking out, floating around, catching up with some friends and having a nosy in the sales ring. So even if you aren't making it for breakfast and you see me around, just come up and say Hello. Uh.
1: Well we are so excited to have our extra special guest on the Lady Soup episode which is all about decoding the sales season and our feature guest this week is none other than Gemma Cutting from Inglis. Gemma thank you so much for being a part of our podcast and helping us work out more about this topic.
2: Thank you Grace thanks Fiona thanks for having me it's very exciting to be part of it.
1: So Gemma, just tell us a little bit about your background in this industry. And now you work for Inglis. Tell us about what you do, because I've known you for a little while now and you do so many different things like... And also for those listening that haven't heard of Gemma before, side note, she's almost like an encyclopedia when it comes to history or um, of the racing industry or the bloodstock industry. I reckon that you would know so many facts and figures that other people just don't know.
2: Potentially, Grace, uh, that's a <laughs> nice introduction. Um, I think in my the last few years, I seem to have uh, struggled a bit more with my memory. When I was young, <laughs> growing up, and really got into racing, I was really obsessive, and I'm like that with a lot of things that interest me. And and so I researched just really heavily everything. Read a lot of books, watched a lot of docos. Got to a point where I could um, recall, you know, the closing stages of races in terms of reciting the commentary. I was a real nerd. I know you were very <laughs> yes. up. And so. <laughs> look- I love my Melbourne Cup winners. I have That was something I used to pull out as a party trick, being able to rattle off Melbourne Cup winners and place getters. But I have to say in the last few years, I probably couldn't name very many. I'm probably so busy in my real life now. It's a bit different to when you're growing up. But look, I've been at Inglis for five years, uh, coming up to almost six years this August. And I, as I just said, grew up sort of obsessed with racing, not from a racing family, grew up in a town called Yapun in central Queensland, no exposure really to racing at all. But it's entirely possible for anyone to, to work in this industry or even just get involved later in life. You don't have to be an um, expert on all these things to take part in, in a sale which is uh, basically my main job now. I worked at Sky Racing for a number of years um, in Sydney as a producer and did a little bit of on-air hosting and presenting. And I did a show called Bread to Win for about four years there. And I have to say, before I started that show, I had absolutely no idea about the breeding industry, didn't even know the language, um, had heard of the stallion Danehill. Other than that, um, I really didn't know. I didn't understand it. So that program really opened my eyes to this whole breeding industry, which is a whole niche within a niche. I mean, we've got racing, but breeding is this big world behind it that has such a big part to play in what happens on the racetrack. So thanks to Bread to Win, I got to know a lot of people, um, got to visit a lot of studs, filmed a lot of stallions and and yearlings in the years, um, covering that. And that's how I ended up with a job at Inglis. So
1: I suppose where we start for this episode, Gemma, is we're really going to focus in on the sales season because that's what we're in the middle of right now. Um, You know, there's been sales all around Australia, both Magic Million sales and Inglis sales. Of course, you work for Inglis and we're gearing up towards the premier sale in Melbourne out at Oakland starting this Sunday. So. We really want to just work out and understand what the sale season is. Like what is this thing that people keep talking about? What is the landscape? How does it work? So, as a general overview, can you please explain to us what is the sale season?
2: Well, the sales season for Inglis, I mean, for all bloodstock companies, this is our most important time of year. A lot of work has gone into getting here for us as well. Um, we can talk about it a little bit later. But our bloodstock team and the bloodstock team for all the sales companies, really in the middle of the year, once the sales season is over, go out to the farms and start inspecting for the next year's sales. So this whole process to get our catalogues ready starts sort of June. We have a big period of inspections through August, September. That's the main period. They go out interstate to New Zealand. They go to a lot of farms. They would inspect more than 2,000 horses Um, during that period. A lot of them are in paddocks. I mean, it's really about trying to imagine what these horses are going to look like as yearlings, assessing the pedigrees. So that's how they're bred, what their mum and dad are, what the mum has done, what the page looks like, the pedigree. And then we start dealing with the farms and uh, breeders and working what sale would suit the horses best. And that builds um, our catalogs for each year. So our sales season, we hold 10 live sales in a calendar year. Uh, We have one sale at the end of the year in October, which is our two-year-old Breeze up sale, which horses gallop and are broken in for. But uh, this part of the year, we have three major yearling sales. We have Inglis Classic, which we've just concluded here up in Sydney. Inglis Premier, as you mentioned, begins Sunday, March 5. And then we have our most prestigious sale, which is Inglis Easter, held in April between both days of the championships at Royal Randwick. Uh, It's really steeped in history. And we also have some supporting yearling sales like HTBA in May, which used to be held in scone plus we have a sale called gold as well in melbourne um, in june so it's a busy time of year and in between all that we have our online auctions english digital taking place twice a month so that's all horses um, so for all the sales companies and for everyone involved in studs and people looking to fill their stables like trainers it's such a busy time of year it's a really exciting time of year because these are the horses that we're going to be seeing racing from next year onwards um, you know learning to fly we sold last year at our easter sale and she's won a millennium and a wooden and she's favorite for the golden slipper so part of my job is filming stories in the lead up to these sales and it was really cool to film her getting um, some education in the lead up to easter with a lunge line and long raining where we went out to coolmore and filmed that so it's a long-winded answer but this sales season basically is where everyone comes to the sales they inspect these horses they purchase them and these are the stars of uh, tomorrow
1: So you mentioned the word yearling sales being what we're going to focus on. But you also said that there's the two-year-olds in training breeze-up sales. That happens towards the end of the year. And that's just another category of horses that are going through a sales ring. We also, Gemma, have broodmares that go through the sales ring that are ready to move on to the next phase of their career, and then also weanlings. Can you just explain to us the difference between weanlings, yearlings, and also broodmares?
2: Well, yearlings are easy to remember because it means they're one year old. So yearlings, it makes sense there. Weanlings are younger. They've been weaned off the broodmares, off the mums, and they get offered a little bit earlier. Um, Some farms and breeders decide that they want to firstly advertise maybe stallions that are you know, new at stud and they're selling the first weanlings by those stallions to promote this type of stock that's coming through. Farms also specialise in selling weanlings instead of yearlings. It's obviously cheaper to sell them earlier. Um, and some of them just like to offload them a little bit earlier in life. And people like to buy them as weanlings as well. And what we call pin hooking, which is when they re-offer them, um, hopefully for a profit as yearlings. There's a lot of um, expertise involved. I mean, people get it wrong or right all the time, but You've got to try and imagine what these horses are going to look like. I honestly don't know how these people do it professionally. It's really difficult for me to even imagine it. But those sales, weanlings and broodmares, we refer to as the breeding stock sales. We have the Australian weanling sale in May in Sydney, as well as the broodmare sale. We have a great southern sale in June in Melbourne, which is a mix of broodmares and weanlings. And we... Um, that's the last chance for people to buy at a live auction, a broodmare or weanling for the uh, season. So our biggest broodmare sale is the Chairman's Sale held in May. It's a really fun night if people have ever seen the vision. But there's high-end broodmares, champagne, live band, casino tables. It's a really must-attend now. It's a great deal of fun. So broodmares can be... Mares that have either just retired off the track, like race fillies that are stakes winners that are well bred, and they can also be brood mares that are in foal again to stallions that might be coming through or established stallions. So um, there's a lot to take in, there's a lot to learn. But hey, I started with uh, absolutely no knowledge, and here I am talking on a podcast with you. So for those that feel like it's a very daunting industry. And they are interested in either getting involved or learning more. There's plenty to read and plenty of people you can ask questions of, which is how I got here.
1: The next place I want to go to, Gemma, is talk us through who the main parties are who are involved in a yearling sale. Again, let's use Premier as an example, because you already discussed inspections, but, you know, there are lots of different people that are walking around looking at a horse and a lot of people that are putting their horse up to be looked at. Please explain to everybody who these people are and what are they doing?
2: Well I hope I don't leave anyone out but uh, as you know there's a lot of people involved whether it's even just me media and that sort of thing people who are just going to have a look but in terms of what's involved at a sale or who's involved and the main parties are obviously the breeders um, those people that have invested in broodmares and spending on a stallion's fee and a lot of these breeders don't own their own farm so that's where the vendors come in the vendors are the farms so you look into a a catalogue and you'll see a morning rise stud or a maluka thoroughbred farm those are the people that are prepared Pairing these horses. That's the, who the pressure's on, I guess. They, they're presenting these horses. They hope nothing goes wrong in the lead-up. Um, and they're getting them there to the sale complex. Then they have the inspections, which is when people come to start looking at them. So for Inglis, it's really important, and for any bloodstock company, that there are buyers there on the grounds at any given sale, ensuring that we're giving the best chance for these horses um, to be sold and to be sold well, and the best chance for these buyers to get really great bloodstock into their stables. So the buyers can be anyone. They can be bloodstock agents whose main role is to buy horses for clients and source some you know hopefully group 1 winners for them there's also trainers who act both as agents as well because they're looking to fill their stable they'll often buy not of have any owners interested but they'll try and sell the shares off and trainers it's really important for them to be going to these sales because I mean, that's where their next um, crop of horses are going to be coming from. As you know, Grace, you know, Ben and JD are heavy, heavily involved at the sales. They're there doing all the, the legwork with yourself, looking at these horses, creating a short list. What are the ones that they're really interested in? What do they think they can afford? And what are the price brackets that they, they think these horses will go Um Anyone can be a buyer. I mean, I can register a bid with our sale day office as long as I can prove that I have the uh, the funds necessary for what I'm uh, registering for. And obviously, then we've got the uh, people who are just, as I said, the bloodstock agents who are there looking around. We've got vets who scope an x-ray. They go into a thing called a repository where people interested will have a look at the x-rays and decide what they're, you know, what they're making decisions on there. And then we've got all the auction staff involved. We've got all the stud staff, the people who are doing the hard work, those people that are these horses up and down, up and down, day in, day out. Um, they're the unsung heroes. And as I said, the auction staff. So we've got bid spotters who take the bids on the sale day. We've got people in finance and accounts. We have the auctioneers who sell the horses from behind the rostrum, the groundsmen who make the, the complex look lovely, and uh, obviously all of us in marketing and bloodstock. Sure, I've left people out, but there are a lot of uh, different facets to getting a sale to work and to getting it to be successful.
0: I think you painted a really good picture there. It really highlights just how much work is going into these few days that we spend on complex.
1: And it's also really cool to highlight, as Gemma mentioned, that you know I could own a broodmare and then I could own a yearling that is being offered for sale at the premier sale starting on sunday but it won't you won't see my name anywhere but i will have the horse you know going through the draft of one of the vendors like Gemma said maluka or supreme or any of these vendors so the vendor's not selling necessarily each horse 100 owned by them most of the time it's on behalf of just regular people that have got the breeding stock that have raised the foal and then allocated the foals and then therefore the yearlings into certain different farms
0: one thing i'll get you to explain is the catalog What is the sales catalogue? What's in it and what information can you find out from the sales catalogue?
2: Well, if you haven't looked at one before, it can look a little bit um, bamboozling if you're not sure about reading a pedigree. At the front of the catalogue, we have all the studs that are offering drafts for sale and you can actually see what barn they're in. Um, so for Premier you'll be able to look at what Barn Bluegum is in, uh, Barn A, and you'll be able to go down and have a look at those horses. If you buy a horse and you want to quickly go down and see it or inspect it beforehand, that's where they're located. We have a list of stallions represented in the catalogue. At the back there's a list of first season sires, so stallions that first yearlings are being offered uh, for sale this year. And in the middle of all that um, are obviously the pedigrees. So from lot number one all the way to the end of the uh, catalogue, it's in alphabetical order according to the dam's name and they change every year. And on the top of the pedigree is the stallion, the sire, that's the dad. And it's obviously then the family tree, you can trace it all the way back. Then we've got the mum on the bottom line with its family tree as well. You'll see a lot of the same stallions and, and stallions further back in the, in the pedigree. Those are obviously been dominant stallions throughout history. And that's why you'll see more of those names. The actual information on the bottom of the page is the mayor's family. Um, you know, it can take a little while to get your head around it. But the first dam is the mum, second dam is the grand dam, and the third dam is the great... Um, Grand dam. so you can just sometimes they'll have a lot of information in just two pedigrees because there's been a lot of winners or there might be a little bit less and you'll see more of the family included anything bold in in capital letters is what we call a stakes winner or black type so any horse that has won at listed level group three group two group one if they're bold and in lowercase that means they were they performed at stakes level but never won so they might have run a third in a group three or a listed or run second in a group one that's how you differentiate um, between those horses those that have a heap of black type what we call black type a heap of capital letters and bold type there uh, obviously the ones that generally people are, you know, tuned into buying because they're the ones that those families are really popular when they go and offer yearlings down the track by those mares.
0: That's a great summary of what is a very, like you said, bamboozling piece of uh, information. The catalogue book is just, I mean, and it's, it's uh, just a lot of words. There's not a lot of uh, visual things. So um, if you're just looking at it as a piece of paper, you'd go, this is very boring, but Once you know what you're looking for and you become familiar with families and and racehorses, it all becomes very magical.
2: People can have a look as well. If you don't have a hard copy, it's online on inglis.com.au. You just click on Premier on the far right-hand side. And actually, the online catalogue's good because it has updates as well that are um, in there on a right-hand column. So um, since catalogue goes to print early – I think it went to print late last year – obviously there's been updates to all these families. Certain horses have come out and won races that are in the family or the maybe half sisters or half brothers. So that's a good way to keep on top of what's happening. And that's what we call an active family when there are updates happening quite a lot. It's an active family. So there's always something happening.
0: The other great thing about the online catalogue is the photos and videos. So you can actually see what these horses look like. see a dam and she was a racehorse that you really loved to follow on the track well you can have a look at what her baby looks like and whether it looks like her or maybe throws back to the stallion so that's also really cool too the online catalog
1: there's something very magical though guys about the paperback catalogs and it's there's just something that's so special about the ones that get printed you know i've remember going to yearling sales when i was young and just grabbing a book because it just makes you feel like you're a part of it it smells great there's just so much information in there once you know how to read it you can go around and have a look at any horse and you know even if you're not buying that's what we're trying to encourage people to do is just to go and have a look and make up your own mind and make your own assessments. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Inglis has got a whole lot of those books from years and years and years and years and years gone by. And, you know, you could pull one out from 1968 and find, you know, the weight for, for age champion that that sale produced. So there's just something really special. There's something so historical about the books, even the ones produced today. You know, everyone go out to Oakland's on Sunday and grab a premier book.
2: Yeah, there'll be group one winners coming out of the sale and you'll, you know, you're right. We have, shelves and shelves of old catalogues in the office which is really fascinating I actually keep mine each year as well and the bloodstock team have a lot of them have moved into iPads but they all keep a hard copy with their notes and so they'll be able to go back when we have a new stakes winning graduate from an English sale they'll go back and have a look at what they wrote about that horse so that's how people I guess keep updated and keep learning in this game stock agents, any any good professional in the industry, look at what, go back and look at what they wrote about a horse, even if they didn't buy it because they think, oh, I didn't think that that, you know, didn't quite like that horse and these are the reasons why and it's gone out and done this on the track. So, you know, maybe that's something I need to readdress or, oh, I really liked that horse. I was on the money there even though I didn't buy it. So it's a good way to keep, um, I guess, to keep up to date on your own skills. And if you are just someone who is interested, as you say, you can look at it online if you're not able to get to the complex open your catalog write down the ones that you like and then come back in a year or two time you year or two's time and see if any of them have um have done something on the right track and if you like them
0: or not so jima let's say that i am a breeder and i've bred a cult by written tycoon and i want to sell it through an english sale how do i get a horse to an english sale and what is the process from like the paddock to when the auction hammer falls?
2: Well, look, I am not a member of the Bloodstock team, but I do have a little bit of an idea of having been there a few years. And for you, probably know as well, having worked on a stud with part of this process. But I guess if you're someone who hasn't bred a horse, maybe uh, before that have sold through us, you get in contact with our office. Um, usually you speak um, to a colleague of mine, uh, Wayne, and he will note down the horse This is the period I was talking about where the bloodstock team go out on the road in the middle of the year and start inspecting horses. They will go to so many different farms. I'm not talking the major Hunter Valley studs. I mean, they go to those too, but they'll go to Queensland, Tasmania. They go to Perth, South Australia, Victoria, to New Zealand. They start looking at these horses. They assess what the horse's pedigree is by and a part of that guesswork is also what is that stallion going to be doing what are the is that stallion going to be on fire or not by the time that horse comes to be sold that's a whole other part of it but you get into contact with us um, we come out and look at the horse we discuss with you whether you you know what sale might suit that horse whether it would suit one of our sales sometimes um, those discussions may not be I guess You know, not every horse is going to get into Easter Classic and Premier, but they can get into the showcase session at Premier, which is book two, or the highway session at Classic, plus we also have our other yearling sales. Sometimes they might be best to sell online. That's where the expertise of our bloodstock team come in by advising uh, a breeder or a vendor about where their horses are going to get the best result because at the end of the day, we want the vendors to have great results, it's that's the aim of the game. So um, that's that part of the process. Then the yearling will go into a prep where they get prepared at a, a farm for sale. Every farm does that a little bit differently, and um, all their processes obviously work. But it can be hand walked. It can go on a walker. They get taught to lead. So come by come the sale time, they're able to be led. And these horses are doing a lot of walking in the days leading up to the sale on farm inspections plus the complex inspections it's a lot for them and um, that's where all that lovely preparation fee as you know having worked at studs come into play where these horses are really well cared for cared for they're fed well then you get them to the sale you get them inspected then the sale hits and obviously they go around the ring the hammer comes down that horse is off to a new owner. By the time when the hammer falls, the horse is officially sold. Sometimes they pass in for a reserve um, when the reserve's not met. And a lot of the time you can do we do deals post-sale on those. That's what we call a clearance rate at the sale. So we might have we had 84%, I think, classic clearance rate. But then that will that can rise overnight where a lot of people, vendors might reconsider their reserves, or someone who missed out, go, you know, consider that they might actually pay that money for that horse. There's there's a lot more involved than that, obviously but I mean that's at a basic level how you get your horse for sale and what's involved but you know the horses and the stud staff are the stars
0: at the show they do a lot of walking so now you've painted that picture for us about what happens across the whole process let's focus more on sales weeks so the Melbourne premier sale the selling is only for three days starting on Sunday but people are there now the horses are there now the staff are there now so explain to us the whole flow of a yearling sale
2: So the horses arrive at the complex um, and that inspection started Monday for the premier sale, which is coming up this weekend. Inspections are underway. So those are where the people turn up at about nine o'clock and start looking at horses. And it goes all day. Vendors, uh, sorry, buyers work their way through different drafts. They then sit down with uh, clients or whatever at the end of each day and go through their short list and start narrowing down things because it's over 800 horses. So there's a lot of work to do. Some people look at every horse. Some people don't. So it just depends on what they're looking at. Our bloodstock team have been there since Monday as well. They're also there inspecting the horses, chatting to vendors, figuring out where uh, certain you know reserves are, how things are placed. Um, are there any horses that might need a little bit of extra uh, push in terms of selling? And we're just making sure that everyone is, um, I guess, serviced in that regard. So on top of all those things going on, we're organising our sale day live broadcast, uh, marketing, uh, also working on client entertainment, we have a cocktail party on the Friday night, we have vendor drinks, or buyer and vendor drinks on the Thursday afternoon at the Black Caviar Bar, we have a lot of moving parts, we've got um, people building marquees there at the sale, uh, there's a lot going on for everyone, so it's um, always a bit of a relief when the sale gets underway, because the most of the hard work in terms of, I guess, the preparation has been done. We um, also have a race day on Saturday at Flemington, just to throw into the mix, the English Sprint So that's always an exciting day. I won't be able to be trackside, unfortunately, but um, I'll leave that one to the rest of the marketing team. But I'll be there on site myself getting the broadcast ready, Grace, because that's another big part of what we do at Inglis now.
1: And you'll actually be hosting the broadcast. So tell us about what your role is over those three days and who you're doing it with.
2: So I'm hosting with um, Richo, Jason Richardson from Channel 7, which is a, a you know massive thrill. In the past, I've done the roving reporting. and we have Nigel Carmody doing that for us this year from Racing.com. So it's actually a really fun job. You get all the re- – you're reacting, reacting with the buyers um, and the vendors when they get great results. And you obviously get those interviews with them, especially with the vendors when they've had something go through the ring that you know exceeded their expectations. It's some of the emotion – you get, you feel like, especially me working at Inglis, you get to know these people so well. So, It really, I mean, for me, um, I'm an empathetic person, so I feel how happy they are. And you just get, everyone is just so thrilled for them when those things happen. Um, So for the broadcast, we are live every day from 9.30 a.m. on our inglis.com.au website and on the Facebook page. We have two streams on our website. You can just watch the auction without any interruption or you can watch our commentary stream where there'll be interviews, um, stories, plus a preview and review show. And uh, yes, I'll be on set with Richo it's my uh, hosting debut so hopefully it goes well and the viewers are kind (laughs)
0: to
2: me Um, but it's a super exciting three
0: days. Yeah I'm getting tingles um, listening to you talk about the reactions of the staff and the vendors and the, the breeders selling these horses and getting these big results like it's just the adrenaline is going and it's such a magic part of the thoroughbred industry. So for anyone who can't get on site to see it live, like I would really recommend watching the broadcast and seeing what it's all about because, yeah, there's a real magic to the sales ring, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, live and free. So you can don't have to pay a subscription or anything, you just tune in and tune out. And um, you can have a look for your favourite horses if you've gone and looked at the catalogue as well. You'll be able to tell by the lot number where they're up to. So if you have a few horses you've picked out online that you kind of like... And tune in and see how they go.
1: So that's obviously one of the things that you find super special about your job, Gemma. What are some of the other things that you love most about what you do and about a yielding sale?
2: Well, I mean, I think it is that delight from buyers and vendors when they have a good result. It's whether they wanted to buy this horse so badly that they've gone over budget. Even then, there are plenty of high fives. That whole adrenaline rush of the sale, that's what I love about that. Um, I love seeing those satisfying results for people. I mean, I'm not talking seven figures, million-dollar lots all the time. I'm talking about a horse that could have – they bought for $10,000 as a weanling and have sold it for $100,000 or it can be a nice cold or filly out of a mare that they raced and really loved and they've bred from her for the first time and the first yearling like sells for 200000 it can – be a vent- vendor selling, you know, every horse they brought to the sale and getting a 100% clearance rate, which is really the aim for all of them. So I love that. I, it's a bit of a relief when it's all over. I mean, it's um, we don't have much time to rest on our laurels at Inglis because we go straight into Easter and breeding stock sales after Prem. Plus we've got Inglis Digital um, firing away all the time. But I love the job because um, I guess, I mean, I really love people. I love horses and that's what got me into racing to begin with I love following these horses when they become gallopers and you know stakes winners and see what they do it's a bit a bit upsetting when you see a mare on the third dam that I remember racing and I think gosh I don't <laughs> didn't think I was that old but it's yes. <laughs> 25 it might be 25 years ago now um so, you know look, I mean it sounds cliche it really is For me, I get to go out to farms and film a lot of these stories in the lead-up to the sale, so I really get to know the drafts a bit more and also the people, the staff behind them. And, um, you know, those are the people that are working really hard as well and they don't get a lot of, I guess, accolades because their name's not anywhere, but um, that's the best part, I think, going out to the farms, seeing horses in their natural environment, seeing the people putting in the hard yards every day, the passion of the breeders and, and the vendors that... You know, some of these farm people that run the farms, they they don't get a holiday. They're preparing horses for the first sale at the Gold Coast over Christmas and New Year's. So it's a lot. It's a lot for everyone. But we wouldn't do it if we didn't love horses and didn't love the industry because, um, you know, there's not a lot of days off. I, go, I don't know if I've answered your question, but basically, I, yeah, I love people, I love horses. So, I mean, I've combined all these things. Yeah. <laughs> and I love dealing with people at the sales. So I'm really lucky to um, be in a job where
0: I can do all those things. I think it's so great as well that the job you do is is telling the stories and get, bringing the emotion back into it and bringing the emotion front and centre and the stories front and centre because sometimes – you know, yelling sales can be just lot after lot after lot after lot and it gets a little bit monotonous and you miss those details of the story behind the breeding or, you know, the stud hand who has worked with this horse for its whole life and is, you know, so emotional as it goes through the ring and their partnership as animal and human comes to an end. Like, it's great that you are able to shine a light on those stories and remind people that, Yep, it's a sale and it's about money, but there's also these great stories behind it all as well that keeps it, which is really what keeps people in the industry.
1: I feel like behind every horse, there is a story fee. Like that's such a good point that you raise because it's, yes, of course, it's about, Um, making a return on your investment that's what people strive to do but every horse has a connection with at least one if not several people that touch them at any point in their whole life like once the horse is sold and the hammer falls the stud farm that have prepared the horse for sale are you know so elated but sad that they're losing that horse from their lives but then the people that have just bought it are like oh my god i'm so excited we have this beautiful horse we're going to cherish this horse for the next part of our journey so that's such a good point to
2: to raise there are plenty of stories behind them all and sometimes it goes full circle with the fillies then coming back as broodmares either through a sale ring or they they're retired and go straight to stud without being sold and then you know a whole other ball game is the off the track spectrum as well Mm -hmm. Um, grace and fee i mean i have a former easter graduate He's now 16 his owner gave him to me, and, um, you know, I still send updates to him and the, and the trainer, David Payne, and there's a whole host of uh, X-Race horses in the area where I ride mine. And um, I even have had uh, one of the former trainers, because he had two careers, reach out when they saw him on social media and said, I wondered where he'd got to. He was one of the stable favourites. Well. So. You know, and the same with the studs. Um, Daly were kind enough to send me photos of my horses a foal and weanling and yearling before he went through the Easter sale because they keep them all on file and they remember these horses. They yeah. spend so much time with them. It's actually amazing the memory some of the people in the industry have. Um, you know, they remember seeing this horse as a yearling at the sale and what they thought of it. I mean, gosh, I need to refer to notes for a lot of things. So you're right. It's um, These horses are... touched by many people they touch many people throughout um, their careers and every person has a part to play in a horse's um, I guess lifespan.
0: Gemma I'm sure you've had a good look at the catalogue for Melbourne Premier are there any particular lots that you're looking forward to see go through the ring?
2: Yes so I was lucky enough to be in Melbourne last week and I went to see a couple of farms I haven't I um, haven't been able to look at every horse, or, and I won't be able to because um, I don't get around with the bloodstock team as um, often as I like. But there are a few horses that I loved when I saw on the farm last week. So we have our final vendor preview video coming out in a few days' time on Blue Gum Farm. And so I haven't seen this horse myself in the flesh yet, but I will make sure I see him on the Complex I've seen the video. Go online and have a look at this one, Lot 499. He's a cult by Zeus Star out of a mare called Jester Jingle. The mare is by Lonro, which this cult has surely inherited that rich colouring from. He's a beautiful horse, absolutely stunning. Go and watch that video and see how this horse moves. He's a half-brother to a group three winner called Bruckner, who ran second in a Coolmore Stud Stakes as well. So it's an active pedigree and it's a cult. So this could be a cult that a lot of people who are looking to race uh, valuable Future Stallions might be one that they're looking at because his physical side is so beautiful as well. I think he'll sell well. There are plenty to get excited about, to be honest, aside from that. I had pers- two personal favourites from the few farms I did see last week. There was a So You Think cult out of a mare called Kinetic Design, lot 513 from Morning Rise Stud. Uh, I thought this colt was a real showstopper as soon as he came out of the barn. Uh, I also loved a uh, horse at Musk Creek Farmer, Philly by Dundee, from the Miss Finland family, lot 195. The dam is shimmering light. Big pedigree again, nice shape, a really deep girth, which is important for lung capacity. And then there was a dundill Colt there as well out of cardiac. Seemed to have a really intelligent brain, very sensible horse. Wasn't fussed by being paraded in front of a big crowd of people. A lovely head. I mean, a head doesn't make them any faster. I just <laughs> love a lovely head. Really stylish, elegant type of horse. So that was one I also liked from there. There's plenty of others on our um, on our highlights lots list. We will have a preview show, as I said, every day, so you can look at some of the top six for each day of the sale that we've selected. Not necessarily going to sell for the best six uh, in terms of dollars, but there's certainly uh, six to watch every day in the highlight lots.
1: And just finally, Gemma, for someone who has never been to a sale before, obviously we are encouraging all of our listeners to head out to Oakland's on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday and check it out. So for those people that may have never been to a sale before, it can definitely be daunting because you just sometimes don't know where to start. What would you recommend doing and seeing for first timers?
2: I'd recommend coming out on the Sunday if you're in Melbourne for the Premier Sale. Sunday's a really good day. It's actually almost like a family fun day. A lot of people bring their kids along. You don't have to be near the horses if you don't want to, because that can be a little bit fraught with danger if um, you've got sort of young children and you're not quite horsey. But you don't have to be a horsey person to come to the sale. You don't have to... Pat them or anything. You can just come and watch if you like. Come out to Oakland's Junction. Uh, You enter through the front. You can grab a hard copy of a catalogue. The sale ring is pretty hard to miss. It's uh, the first stage you'll get to. You'll be able to hear the auction happening, which starts at 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, You can stand up the back of the auditorium. There are some seats right down the front um, away. We have some dining there for our buyers. But past the dining, there's some uh, seats down the front. You can sit on, sort of fold-down seats go and have a wander around. There are a heap of marquees with hospitality. Kieran Ma's marquee on a Sunday especially is usually humming by the afternoon. I think they're looking at having live music there as well. Uh, There's a canteen cafeteria there. Go have a coffee. You can watch the horses from, there's a balcony there, some of the ones being paraded. Go down and look at some horses. Um, You know, it's an amazing industry. It's not every industry. You can't turn up to an AFL game and speak to the coach of Hawthorne, but you can turn up at a horse sale and Introduce yourself to a Mick Price, a John O'Shea, an Annabel Nisham, a Kieran, David Eustace. They're all there. You'll you'll know them if you follow racing, and they're quite happy to um, as long as you're not you know introducing yourself when they're trying to bid on a horse. But they're yeah. quite happy to talk because, I mean, for them they're wanting to meet new people and get new owners, and of course, but it's an accessible industry. You can talk to all these people that are your, your potential heroes and. Hey, if you're interested in getting a share, that's one way you can find out a little bit more about a horse that goes through the ring. I'd recommend you come out. If it's not Sunday, come out Monday, Tuesday. It's free. You don't have to register. You can simply just turn up for as long or short as you like. Watch the auction. Go for a wander maybe meet some people. So it's um, it's an exciting three days. And look, if you can't go to Melbourne, we've got the English Easter sale in April. In between the two race days of the championships, that's here at our Warwick Farm Complex Riverside Stables. Again, that's open to anyone. It's a spectacular auction. Um, some big prices going through and yeah, the same crowd of all those uh, trainers and
0: buyers that you might see on TV. Well, thank you so much, Jimmer, for giving us some of your time today and what is a very busy week for you. You've decoded the sales season so well for us and our listeners. And we look forward to seeing you on the broadcast on Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. Yes, thank you for having me. I do love to talk.
2: No doubt um, the reason I got into this media industry (laughs) and marketing is um, I I can talk underwater. I hope I've uh, made some sense of it for people. And um, it's easy to learn if you're really interested. So I can't wait to see you guys out there. I know, Grace, you'll be out there as well. So hopefully... Ben and JD are buying plenty of horses for Lindsay Park and you're selling those shares.
1: That's the plan, Gemma. That's the plan. Thank you so much for being a part of our podcast.
0: Uh. Grace, Gemma was the perfect first guest for us to have in 2023. She really painted a picture for us about the role that sales play in the wider thoroughbred industry. What did you find most interesting about our chat with her?
1: Well, I hope that everybody understands more about what an impact the bloodstock and the breeding industry does have in getting all of these racehorses ready to hit the track because while the trainers get them, you know, once the hammer falls at a yearling sale and the trainers or the o- the new owners get them and the yearlings jump on the floats and go to their new destination and then they're, then they're prepared as racehorses, you know, I think we've now get a better understanding of all the work that goes in for the first couple of years of a horse's life. And what I think was most interesting or what I certainly am most excited about what Gemma said is when she said that people should just go onto the online inglis website and have a look at the premier the inglis premier catalog and just have a look at some photos of different lots like just flick through the catalog online you can watch the videos of the horses walk look at the different colors look at the different shapes and sizes and then actually just come up with your own opinions if you're coming down on sunday again grab the book and go and have a look because It's so true what Gemma said. You can come back and look in a couple of years' time or you might flag a few horses and remember their breeding and see that they come to be you know, really successful horses when they hit the track. So, you know, it's just a really fun game. I love a puzzle, as we all know, (laughs) I love I love challenging myself and and trying to nut things out and work things out. So that's definitely something I would recommend to people to do.
0: Yeah, she did explain that really well. And also I'm going to go back and write down the lot numbers that she was most excited to see go through the ring and, and keep track of how much they make in the sales ring, too, because she seemed to really like those horses. And Gemma herself, like just like our guests in 2023, she's just another woman in this industry with so much knowledge and talent working behind the scenes of it all. And, you know, our top female trainers and jockeys are front and center in the media. But one of the great privileges of this podcast, Grace, that you and I have is that we're able to offer up the mic to those people like Gemma behind the scenes and get them to share their knowledge with us, which is just so cool.
1: And their passion, because that's what it's all about, We, especially when it comes to Gemma. Um, you can hear the passion that she has for her job and for what she's representing and the people she's working with.
0: Yeah, definitely. But it's time to wrap up for this week. So next week, we have another feature episode, and we are going to be decoding yearling preparations. And uh, I am going to have a go at being the so-called uh, expert, Grace. <laughs>
1: Well, that won't be hard for you, Fee, because you certainly are one, especially when it comes to yearling preparation. So to be able just to briefly explain what that means, you would have heard Gemma talking a lot about the different drafts that the vendors or the farms are offering at the premier sale. Those drafts are yearlings that have been prepared through a yearling preparation to be offered at a live Sale like the premier sale. So, we'll be going into detail and decoding what is a yearling preparation next week.
0: Yep, that's right. But until then, we hope you have enjoyed today's episode. And hopefully, we are going to see a few of you at the sales on Sunday, soaking up the incredible atmosphere and taking in the spectacle that is a yearling sale. If you want to show your support for ladies who punt, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, whether you listen on Apple or Spotify. And while you're there, leave us a review. You can also find us on Instagram, just search for Ladies Who Punt. Have a lovely week, everyone, and we will be back in your ears next Thursday with another fresh episode.